This on-demand radio show is underwritten by Tribe Rocket, triberocket.com, with the mission to fundamentally change the communications culture in the largest industry on Earth. Revenue-generating solutions for small independent oil field operators and service companies coming soon. I'm James Hahn II. And I'm Mark LaCour. And you're listening to This Week in Oil and Gas. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Welcome in, Mr. LaCour. We're 15. Great to be here, James. We're 15. 15 episodes. Can you believe it? No, I cannot believe we made it to 15. Do we still have people listening to us? <laughs> we do. We do. But we, we use that joke way too much. Okay. <laughs> but we do have people listening to us to the tune of over a thousand downloads per episode. Insane. Thank you all for joining us. I am James Hahn II. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Tribe Rocket. We are brand architects for next generation oil field leaders. What about you, Mr. LaCour? Modalpoint.com. We are the oil and gas sales experts. All right, perfect. So let's jump right in to this week's links. Gazprom has Uber problems. Yeah, this is a great written article, and it draws some really cool analogies. So basically, Russia supplies energy, mostly natural gas, to Europe. That's how Russia makes its money. And so Russia's a big old ship. It's an ingrained business model. It's been there forever. And just like Uber, uh, which was an upstart against the big uh, taxi industry, the U.S. Have, has, because of their fracking success, has entered into the uh, European energy market. And as we get our infrastructure built in place, we will disrupt big old mothership Russia and Europe will no longer be dependent on paying those rates and having to deal with Russia's uh, you know, stuff. That is fantastic. So how long is this all going to take? So it's, it's, it's a bunch of things that have to fall in place, but you're looking at, we're already starting to export fuels to, to Europe and that's going to only increase. And once we get these LNG plants built and lit, it's just going to open up a spigot of natural gas to Europe and to Asia Pacific. That, that brings up a, a link. I didn't, uh, maybe I can find it, but I, I didn't throw it in here, but um, there was uh, our, our venerable governor signed a bill this week about LNG. Did he not? Yes, he did. Fantastic. Um, so, so that plays right into this story. Uh, it, it plays in the story in the fact that it's just gonna make it easier for Texas to export its LNG, which is just good stuff. Awesome. All right, let's go on. U.S. Shale and OPEC. The altered. The, I'm sorry. The altered balance of power. This is from Kemp over at Reuters, and it includes a link to a uh, to a chart book here. What's going on with this article? So, for over forty years, OPEC has been the dominant. Uh, balancer of world crude oil supply. And little old USA with our um, hydraulic fracking and our new technology, um, not only have we disrupted that power, but we're doing it cheaper and more environmentally friendly than OPEC can. So, um, you know, the U.S. used to be an oil superpower and then it kind of waned and we're coming right back hard and strong. We will be the next world oil superpower. Wow. And so, yeah, between 50 and 70, 1950, I should say, and 70, the U.S. share of worldwide crude pr- uh, production had fallen 50 percent to just 20 percent. Well, do you know what the share is now? I'm sorry, the share of what? The share of our production. So uh, we we historically use about 20 million barrels a day um, and we're we're up to I think about 13 million barrels of production up from about six. So we used to have to import 
um, 14 and now we're importing like seven and that, that trend's just going to continue. Yeah. And, and there's, uh, from Reuters, the PDF link, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes, um, right beneath this because there's a, there's a bunch of really cool graphs in here. <laughs> yeah. This is some really good information showing, um, the trends and, and, you know, from a geopolitical point of view, who would you rather supply most of the world's crude and oil, right? The free market U S right. Absolutely. Speaking of free markets, the free market did give us the the miracle pr- uh, process that is fracking, and the EPA has exonerated us. EPA study shows Marcellus shale fracking doesn't cause widespread water pollution. Yeah, this study just came out today, and social media is on fire. And what I can't stand is already the environmentalists who haven't had time to even read this are already trying to poke holes in it. It's like, stop, people. Read it. Understand the facts. And then form your opinion about stuff. Um, Basically, this is the longest and largest study in history on fracking. And the EPA, who does not um, particularly uh, like the oil and gas industry, had to admit that fracking does not cause water pollution. Right. And even under this president, they had to. Yeah. Even under this president, even under this administration, they had to admit that it does. They they can find no proof. They can find no proof. And and so – yeah, I think the study recognizes instances where fracking activity impacted surface and groundwater, said Thomas, EPA. Um, it, it, it seems that, that they found a couple, um, you know, a couple things here and there. Well, However, I've, I've, actually, I've actually read it in depth. Let oh, me tell you what they Tell me did. about it. Yeah. So they've found instances where the improper disposable of frack water on the surface has actually gotten into groundwater. That means the fracking part didn't top contaminate groundwater. Once they pulled that water out of the well and they loaded it in the trucks, it spilled somewhere and then it leaked in. You're going to have that happen with anything. You know, people can be hauling olive oil and it's going to spill and leak in. So the fracking itself does not cause water pollution. That's a really great point because the other thing that, that – well, that's a really great point that, to add on to something because I'm always educating friends or debating, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> on social media. And and one thing that I always point out is, is yeah, so maybe uh, the casing of a well might fail. Oh, no. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's what you have to worry about. Um, not to give the environmentalists any ammunition, but if you were trying to look at where there's a weak point, it's the way they cased wells back in the 30s and 40s, not now. Absolutely. they. I mean, the amount of cement casing that goes into these things, uh, it's truckloads, literally. All right, moving on. We have attorneys, and this is, I wanted to tie these actually back to back. Attorneys, Denton, not the place to challenge HB 40. Yeah, so Denton was the, f- the first place in Texas uh, to ban fracking. Then the state of Texas signed a law saying that it is illegal to ban fracking. So you would almost think common sense would be to go back to Denton where it's banned and fight it. But it's not really. From a legal point of view, you don't want to take a chance of losing. So, And I'm talking about from the environmental side, from the people that ban fracking. So they're going to try to fight the state law without trying to battle it in Denton. Now, interestingly enough, the state is now in Denton, suing Denton, because now the Denton law is not only um, uh, invalid, but it's also unenforceable because the state law supersedes. So this is a really good story about how that works from a legal point of view. Yeah, it, it's a really good story about how it works. And then we have the EPA backing right there. So that is absolutely perfect. Um, I mean, what do you think is is going to come of this whole Denton thing? It's. I, I think what's going to happen is, and it's going to be a money thing. I think the city of Denton is not going to want to risk spending all the money on legal fees that's going to have to take to fight the state. Fight the state. 
state has much bigger pockets than Denton does, much better attorneys, much bigger legal resources. I think Denton's going to give in and just repel the law. Yeah, and I'm usually a fan of of subsidiarity, being uh, being a Catholic that I am, and keeping things as local as possible. But I don't mind the state overruling Denton in this, in this case. There's no reason to ban fracking, right? If if the economics don't work, fine. Um, but there, there's no reason to put a law in place to ban something that does that only helps people. I mean, the jobs created, the the improvement to the environment, the um, you know the impact to our to our um, economy. I mean, it's just it, there's no sane reason to ban fracking. Right, sane is the word. Sane. Uh, let's let's keep the sanity rolling. Actually, let's move away from these hot topics in terms of uh, in terms of arguments and so forth. And move over to drilling info. I, I, we have the onion of the week. I feel like we're starting to get a drilling info. We all, we've always had a seeking alpha of the week almost. But drilling info, analyzing oil field operator performance, the creaming curve. Yeah, this is some great, great work by drilling info. So basically, and we've talked about this in other shows, the operator's ability to, um, to drill has a big influence on how productive the well is. That's, that's the secret sauce the rest of the world doesn't know. Because this knowledge is in these drillers' heads, and they've been doing it for 40 years. So the creaming curves, or um, drilling info, goes out and plots the operators and plots the quality of the fields they're on. And then they plot their success. And by doing that, you can actually see the curves where good operators in less than great uh, fields are producing phenomenal results. And you can see the opposite, where um, great um, fields with poor operators are producing poor results. And because of that, you can replicate it. So even though I may not be a great operator, I can look at the, the graphs and see what the great operators are doing. And I can replicate that to increase my production. This is this is just great work. Yeah. And shout out to Tanya. I haven't met her. And, and this is actually the first time I'm seeing Tanya Andrian, um, product owner for finance and analytics. Great. Uh, they got somebody on the team doing this type of stuff. So uh, this is really interesting. Uh, the last line of the conclusion, many of the wells included in the creaming curves above were drilled in a $100 in oil environment. And perhaps we will see a change in production profiles um, as as more wells are drilled and completed in a $50 oil environment. That'll be really interesting to see who shakes out is the the true um, cream of the crop is as yeah, it were. I can pro- I can promise you at a hundred dollars barrel there was a lot of sloppy drilling going on because you couldn't help but make money. Now you, you better get it right. Right, and so that this is this is interesting. It's the thing that I I it, it ties into this somehow. Just just roll with me here, which is that I follow what is it SEO marketing land. Um, on Facebook, and they're all complaining about the knowledge graph. And the knowledge graph is, if you've noticed when you go and search in Google these days, it will tell you an answer, the answer to your question without even taking you to a website. And and all these people are saying, oh my gosh, this is awful. It's going to kill us, all this stuff. And and my my point is, no, it's not. It's just going to get rid of the people that, that suck. And that's never a bad thing. No, you're absolutely right. So, so it's the same thing in the oil field where where prices drop and it just it gets rid of the guys that that shouldn't be here. A hundred percent agree. All right, let's move on over to Cabot Oil and Gas because I got I saw a link about Cabot. I'm like I'm, I don't even think we've talked about Cabot. My my people over there. Um, oh goodness, uh, George George Stark and and Brit Brittany Thomas. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, let's get Cabot Oil and Gas achieving excellent productivity gains in the Eagleford. Yeah, I, I love Cabot too. They they really know what they're doing. So let's throw some numbers out there. So Cabot's increased the Eagleford production by 145% year over year. 
but they dropped their costs by 30%. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, think about that. That's crazy wow. operational efficiency, right? And, and they're just a good company that knows what they're doing. Um, they track all the metrics. They have great operators. Um, they have great financial models. They're they're sitting strong right now in this low crude market, and it's because they're a good company. It talks about this this leasehold that they have. Uh, let's talk about that. Do you do, do you know a little background on that? Oh, uh, uh, no. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look at I look at I put you on the spot. Yeah, so it's it's it's, it's right here. Um, they've you know their Eagleford assets about eighty nine thousand net acres. And um, in the Buckhorn and Presidio, and and so th- shout out to their land team as well because it looks like well obviously there's going to be some operational efficiency there because they went out and got the right leases. Yeah, and 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 you know, there the Cabot is continually right now to buy devalued leases because some bad operators spent too much money, and so you know they're buying these um, producing properties for pennies on the dollar. So you know, hats off to them. They just do a really great job. Right, and that that goes right along with the same thing that we were just talking about, which is, and and I I've said this so many times that if if you're if you let if you allow oil prices to to dictate your business model, then you're always going to be losing. Right. You need to you need to operate in such a way that you're profitable, whatever happens to oil prices, because they because they can't be predicted. And so this drop in the oil prices just means that and this is a shining example right here of someone who didn't get over leveraged and is now taking advantage. Yep, absolutely. All right, cool. Let's talk about Sunoco. Let's go into uh, what is this midstream? This is midstream. So um, Sunoco is building some more transportation in the Marcellus. Um, which there's a big need for. There's the in the Cushing Coast, which is basically from Cushing, Oklahoma, here to Houston. There's actually going to be an oversupply um, of transportation because of the delay of the last piece of Keystone. Once that comes online, then you have a whole bunch of pipe and not enough customers. The opposite problem is going on right now in the Marcellus. So this is just a, sm- a smart move by a pipeline company to get some more transport out there, so they can reward their shareholders with with more money and actually help the business get that crude from the wells to the refineries and the uh, ethylene crackers here in, in the Gulf South. So it's really interesting. So the opposite problem going on, unpack that a little. Yeah. So, and this is, this is, this has become a political issue. Keystone should have never become a political issue. It was a transport issue. But basically when you look at all the frack fields, you can move that frack field, that frack oil by rail and by existing pipelines to somewhere near Cushing's, Oklahoma, then it's impossible to, or almost impossible to get it from Cushing's, Oklahoma to say Houston, right? And, and the Gulf Coast where all the refineries are. So people saw that as an opportunity. So um, Tra- TransCanada, when they um, um, proposed Keystone, it comes from Canada to deliver the heavy uh, uh, crudes down to the Gulf Coast. But the main moneymaker was going to be the little part of it that went from Cushing's, Oklahoma to Houston, and they would rent that transport to other companies that needed to move their crude, right? So the financial model made sense, except the U.S. put a hold on that last piece of Keystone. What a lot of people don't know is most of Keystone is built. It's that last piece, which is called Keystone XL, which is not built. Well, because Keystone is not built, other pipeline companies saw an advantage to go provide transport, which they have. So now there's a lot of transport existing between Cushing and, and the Gulf Coast. When Keystone comes online, all of a sudden you have too much transport. So then, you know, it, it, their business model is not going to be as sound, all based on bad politics. So I, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being a conspiracy theorist over here. I'm just in my mind. I'm thinking, all right, is, uh, is, our, is our president going to go ahead and exit the office without doing that? 
or is he going to do it at the last minute and take credit for it? Yeah, well, we've been predicting this for two years. They'll wait to the last minute. They'll approve it so they can take credit for the jobs created, which will then help the Democratic Party in the next election. There you go. All right. Pioneer sells Eagleford Midstream business for $2.15 billion. Yeah, so we've talked about this before, about how the pipeline companies are expanding all over the place, either by um, growth or by buying other stuff. This is a, a perfect article to show where um, Enterprise Product Partners, or EPP, um, went to Pioneer and said, we'd like to buy your pipeline infrastructure, and they agreed upon a price, and they did. Now, it's going to benefit Pioneer, because Pioneer is not a pipeline company. It's going to benefit Enterprise products, all of a sudden they have more transport where that they don't have to build, they can buy it. And in return for the cash that's changing hands, um, what's happened is EPP has given Pioneer um, a discount on transport so that it will be more competitive than the other people that want to try to move their crude around. So this, I mean, it's a good deal. This is, this is, you expect to see this sort of stuff and it's happening. Yeah. It says right here downstream. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, original terms. Let's see. <laughs> Let me read the whole sentence. The reduced fees are expected to benefit Pioneer and Reliance over the original terms of the downstream contracts by approximately $200 million on a net present value basis at 10%. What yeah. kind what, it, give, given the – here, let me ask a question. <laughs> given the, the – what is that like versus their competitors? Well, I mean, so – when you're selling crude, your margins are not that high, right? Your margins are, are, are you know, 15, depends, 15 to 20%, right? Now, imagine that you got to reduce that transport fee or, or, or so it's sometimes called a lift fee by 10%, which is half of your, your you know, 15% margin. That's that's substantial. So um, they're going to have a leg up on their pioneers on their competitors, they can either do one of two things. They can reduce the price of their crude, which is going to make the downstream companies want to buy their crude and still maintain the same profit margin, or they can keep the same price as their competitors and have an increased profit margin. So it gives them some flexibility in their business strategy. Definitely sounds like a win, <laughs> no, well, no matter it's what. A win for, it's a win for everybody, right? The more we get this infrastructure built in this country to move um, all this gas and um, crude from these frack fields to the refineries and, and the petrochemical plants and the ethylene crackers in the Gulf South, the cheaper it gets for everybody. It's one of the things a lot of people don't realize. We're talking about lifting the export ban on crude. The more that we can get the infrastructure built, the cheaper it is. So the quicker that we can start exporting our wheat crude, which we can't refine, and the quicker we can build the infrastructure and import sour crude like from Canada, Canada it just it benefits everybody. Nice. Nice. All right. That thus concludes our links. And we, we powered through them because we have a heck of a lot of things to talk about in events. We also have our, our weekly onion, which is dedicated to Mr. Mark LaCour. New Claritin flamethrower incinerates whatever causing allergies. So are you going to go grab one of these? Yeah. So the audience probably doesn't know this, but I suffer from allergies. And if you suffer from allergies, Houston's probably the last place on the planet you want to live <laughs> because we have it all. We have mold, we have tree pollen and grass pollen. And it's hot and it's humid. Um, so yeah, I think I'm gonna go buy one of these clearing the flamethrowers and just start burning stuff up. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right. So we've got uh, events. Number one, nomads. That's what next Wednesday. Uh, it's Tuesday. Tuesday. So it's Tuesday. Tuesday. This, this, this the, is the best of the good old boy network in oil and gas. If if you want to meet some of the movers and shakers in oil and gas industry, um, this is the place to go. It's a dinner at the Hess Club. Um, I won't make it this time. I usually try to make it. Um, it, it it's a good place to network in an old fashioned hand to hand, you know, type of way. All right, perfect. So that is next Tuesday, the 9th. and then we have BP statistical review of World Energy twenty fourteen. 
2015, I'm sorry. It says here 4 a.m. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's um, you got to remember, UK is six hours ahead of us. Got it. So this is something we and, and let me tell you, I'm not getting up at 4 a.m. to even though I get up at 4:30 anyway. I'm not getting up earlier to watch this. They'll have a recast of it. But if you want to watch it live, go ahead and watch it. This is some unbelievable data about the global oil and gas industry that BP puts together, and they put it in very easy to understand terms, very nice graphics, and they present what they think the world is going to do with energy for the next 30 years. So, uh, you know, this is this is a must do for anybody like us that needs to understand what's going on in the industry from a global perspective. Absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and opt in on that list, which we have the link in the show notes. And then leaders in the industry luncheon at the Petro Club. Yeah. So um, you get to go hear Frank, the president of Earthstone Energy, talk about what's going on in his industry. I love the leaders in industrial luncheons. It's, um, it's put on by the um, um, IPAA, which is the Independent Petroleum Association of America, and also um, the TIPRO, which is the Texas Independent Producer and Royalty Owners. It's um, really good factual information. Nobody tries to sell you anything. It's not some canned speech. You get to hear from business leaders what's going on in the business. I will be at this one. Nice, nice. Well, I'm going to catch a ride with you. <laughs> and yeah. and also, uh, well, and also we've got, to, we've still got our Society for Underwater Technology and you get to eat more crawfish. Yeah, I am so sick of crawfish, but um, I will actually be here too. So this is SUT's annual crawfish boil. Um, it's going to be at the Raging Cajun. Um, it, this right is up, a- young, Right up the road from my, from my place. Yeah, right up the route. Yeah. This is their young professionals event, but you don't have to be a young professional to to go (laughs) that's good that's good it's good for me yeah um so you know if if you're into underwater tech and you want to get plugged into that subsea part of the oil and gas industry go eat some crawfish and this is our last big big push for the houston energy breakfast yep i'll be there i'm actually moderating a coffee panel so if for some reason you want to come talk to me in person come on by this is you know this is just a great event i was at the very first one i moderated there some real leaders in industry talking about real business stuff no, no bs um, and, and it's it's a little bit early in the morning for a lot of people. But when you walk out of there, you still have the rest of your day. So this is great. If if you go to anything, you need to go to this. Yeah. And also, it's my birthday, people. So come on, celebrate with me at 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be doing jello shots and everything. No. <laughs> um, all right, we Mark. Well, I'm sure we could. Uh, they'd be for everyone else. But that would just be for everybody else so that it's funny. People, they go, oh, you don't drink? Can I drink around you? I say, it'd be best if you started, <laughs> be best if you started drinking right now a lot. Yeah. Um, so so we have all of these links in the show notes. We got to get the heck out of here real real quick before we do um, because we've, I've had a couple emails lately. Just go to trybrocket.com forward slash 15. Trybrocket.com forward slash one five, and then you'll be able to get to all of these show notes. Also, if you want to go ahead and get Mark's email, which is, which is what we base the, uh, the the whole events conversation about, you can go to Trybrocket.com forward slash events, and you will get on Mark's list to get all of the events and whatever amazing content this guy pushes out. That was that was a plug for you. How, how do you feel about well, that? Was a plug for me, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, we we're the only people that we know that take all the oil and gas events and put them in one place. We send it out once a month. Um, you know, there's nothing about us on there. This is just a way for us to give something back to the community. And if you have any questions about any of these events, reach out to James. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We're so, we're going so long. Uh, that's awesome. All right. Get us out of here, Mark. All right, folks do great work. Pay it for it. We will see you next time. Go find some grease guys. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm 50 years old. So it used to be I could go to all these raves and listen to stuff live. Well, now I'm the creepy old guy. Remember when you go to a rave and you had that one guy by himself that was like 50 years old? You're like, oh, look, there's a creepy old guy. Well, now I'm the damn creepy old guy. So I can't go anymore. 